Hi, this is James Devine, and I am an educator who has come out of the trenches. Listen in as my friend and colleague Dana Goodyear shares stories and tips from other educators who have come out of the trenches. Welcome to the Out of the Trenches podcast. This is Dana Goodyear. Thanks for listening. The Teach Better Conference uh, with Megan Balda. Um, met her here at the conference and um, like to uh, just introduce you as um, a teacher from Virginia. Uh, you know, you're a lifelong learner. Uh, you know, we've connected here through the Teach Better team. Uh, we've also learned that we both like to run. So we went on a run this morning. Uh, you have a few uh, kids that are younger than mine and you come from uh, Virginia. So uh, just uh, to start off with, let's um, learn about your trench story. So tell me about a time when you were in the trenches and you used to call out. So the one that comes to mind is when I first started at my current school. This was very, very long It was a new area because my now husband had gotten a job and I needed to live to where he was. So it's a completely different community. And I very quickly would sort of get over my head in a classroom conversation. Not anything bad, but really was with what's happened to Bali in very good way. And it happened to be a day where my grand conductor wandered into the room and was sitting there. Yeah. And I, I distinctly remember being in conversation with students about who looked the little prince on which we training as a companion to well for Hilo's the alchemist and i had a student answer that question and i looked right at the student i looked over his head at my administrator and went i don't know i don't get back to you yeah when we got and just that idea of I'd been a teacher for oh, years that had never remotely felt up flustered by it because it was yeah. a situation yeah. that I found myself in. And I realized very quickly that I needed to I get my feet under me and figure out how I was going to uh, be successful, which I know I was a successful teacher. How was I going to be successful in this new school with yeah. different expectations yeah. Yeah. And, and make that work? was a lot of going out here basically going back to the going board on my lesson plan of thinking hey what's working what's not what is the expectation here now that i've been in this school and sort of had these moments of panic and pause where things are not going where i want them to go and how do i make that better on yeah, and and also when you're not quite sure of how to react, like in that community, like you said, like I mean, I had an experience uh, when I first started teaching in Colorado, and it's it's in my up books, but what maybe be out around the time I guess that was what comes out, but you know, I wasn't a very conservative. I lived in Europe or lived in Canada, and you know, just I was teaching a little bit of French culture, and I got so backlash from that. Um, the parents and also like a lot of time when parents hear a certain thing and they interpret it a certain way or the kids kind of construe what really happened in class but like yeah, like you said it's like you didn't really know how to react to a kid's question and I think even today like I've talked to some educators you know, at the conference people feel like 
there are certain things they can't do for fear of getting fired. Uh, you know, even though these probably would be accepted, but you know, just the thinking outside the box things, right? And it's hard to believe that people would still think they would get fired when there's such a shortage of teachers nowadays. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about your uh, teaching uh, role. So uh, what level and, and um, subject area you currently teach? So I teach middle school English. Well, I teach English. Yes. Okay. I have been teaching for my 19th year. Okay. Of those 19 years, only one was with a different grade level. I did oh, one okay. year of English six in a 6th, 7th, 8th middle school. Mm-hmm. And I said, no. They were very lovely, but they were still elementary school students mm-hmm. with more emotional elementary school needs. Sure. Um, the very first day in school that year, there were kids who had because the parents had left and kids who needed hugs. And I just thought, this is very not. Yeah. It's not very straight. Um, and uh, had actually anticipated when I moved up. Uh, to a different rotation or a different speed system, you know, or that maybe I would get a high school job. And then I interviewed at a middle school that was just like amazing. Every person that I've met was somebody I thought I could be friends with outside. And I got a early offer for a job without for the upcoming school year. And I, without hesitation, took it. And my fiance husband now. So are you, are you sure to have one? Um, okay, school. Uh, yeah, yeah. I did, but, but uh, this group, this community, though, this is where I'm not going to want to be. And now while I've been at that job. I have now been at that job for seven Slow down. But I'm sure staying in that role, uh, in that same grade level, in the same school for so long, you've seen a lot of shifts in the needs of kids. Absolutely. Yes. Um, I think one of the biggest, when I started teaching, I remember hearing older teachers complain about what students could and couldn't, you know, understandably were sort of the first group of students who, at least in my state, had been tested since the grade. So by the time they were getting to middle school, they were expecting the standardized tests and they were recognizing that they messed school later almost with the one right answer and right. So there were all concerns about what well, chance. Don't want to think outside the box. You don't want to take risks. And I realized that wasn't quite true. While now I'm on the other end of that and I'm the older teacher, I still see those glimmers of, I understand what that concern was and I'm still seeing it, but I know, and now that we've got the research to support the threat, that no understands. Absolutely, it's going to overcome that when the test C is de-emphasized. That has become sort of a cornerstone of, okay, we have this test. Now, I know we have this test, and this test matters, but not as much, and I understand. So that's what we're going to put on it. Yeah, and I see that, like, as well, having, you know, been a, a Colorado educator for 20 years, and you know, a lot of the focus was on the test. And at that time I taught an elective and, you know, if you weren't a poor teacher, you know, they didn't really care about like all the worst stuff. I mean, cause we're only teaching the test, right? So I mean, there's a little bit of a shift now about, you know, that since the pandemic, um, a little bit more in towards SEL, you know, I'm hoping that it stays 
kind of out of that, like just teaching to the test from like, how do we, you know, score highest on the standardized scores? Because I think more people realize that it's just a snapshot of how a kid's doing that day. Yeah. Right. And and the, that point of how we're doing that day, yeah. not even what they're doing in the subject. Yeah. But emotionally. Emotionally. That's the idea that if, if you, and the only self kids, oh, you have to give a good night's sleep, I have to give breakfast. Yeah. Even if they do those things, yeah. if they don't like breakfast, uh-huh. <laughs> they don't like breakfast. You know, Pop Tarts when you're like hoping for cereal. Yeah. That becomes part of the issue with yeah. why it may not do as well as they want. Or they saw a friend in the hallway and the friend didn't say hi, and all of a sudden they had a good night's sleep. We're ready. They can't believe it. And single fiber did interaction with only what throws them off but by and it's interesting as adults adults, we know that we know that a bad interaction with a co-worker or a cold rage anything like that and it's going to throw off our blood day and why we don't do so that i think it yeah recognize that students experience the same what i'll recognize it but we don't give it the same credibility that we give out to other adults i'm doing uh I think it really does a disservice to the kids. A lot of time. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's a thing, like really putting all this emphasis on a test and like especially if your school's um allows status or kind of in the yellow or wash status and like you can't or, or give anything sentence. So it's like, well, yeah, the kid can show up, but they're not necessarily and some of these test questions, like it's just gonna trick people up behinds too, and they'll just kinda give up. So yeah, if we can um, just stop focusing so much on how your school's going to do, like, how are your kids going to do? How are they, how are they, you know, getting by their face? Right? And in the real world, they're not going as tight as, as much as any one content area is important. So I pop about that. As an adult in my adult life, I have never had to use the physics that I documented. I loved it. It was a fun class, but I've never had to use it in real life. Yeah. Not in a way that like classroom would have prepared you for. It, it certainly is a factor when I'm driving, but it's not a conscious factor of that. And so I'm really preparing kids for collaboration, uh, the rough thinking, the ability to communicate good ideas effectively. Those are the things yeah. we yeah. need to be focusing on versus This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get back to the episode. Factor when I'm driving, but it's not a conscious factor on that. And so I'm really preparing kids for the collaboration, uh, the creative thinking, the ability to communicate good ideas effectively. Those are the things yeah, we yeah. need to be focusing on versus So I noticed that you have a National Forest Certification. I've talked to a few guests that have that, but uh, they're sort of in other areas. So tell me a little bit about the process for a language arts teacher. Um, so I originally certified prior to them okay. changing some of their TNS. But I know that some of it still focuses on how you engage students in conversation. And so that was one of the things that I had very close about my certification. There was a either feeling looking or these offer <laughs> really looking for ways to get a bit far. I was aging or psychically in conversation about that. Somebody in person. So 
it's not something that is it's part of my state standards, but it is not a big part of my state standards. And yet it seems to be the piece of sort of English that you find most in the real world, right? You're discussing ideas with other people. And that's really what it is. The venue that I should use in an English class is the book or the, the poem or the short story. It's strange that books are being out. Share your ideas. And even like you and I are building on one another. That's a skill that students are not necessarily. Yeah. And part of the board certification was filming those kinds of interactions. Okay. And reflecting on that. What do you have to see on the app? in those conversations. And so I, I was able to well dig into uh, the way that kids yeah, were interacting yeah, and realize where uh, so my, my looming structural gaps yeah, created those situations. And so through that reflection process and the uh, certification process, you really grew in how you- Oh, absolutely. I I tell people that national board certification on more as much as a master's degree, yeah. and I had a two master's degrees on top of it, but I learned more about myself as a teacher through doing that certification yeah. and the reflection than I did for either of my two teacher-based master's degrees. Yeah, because it's it's more of uh, a practical application in your field, That's right? Absolutely. <laughs> you know, and, and the required reflection. One of the things that Ashton Board requires is that you identify what a student's doing and what you did for that out So what did, what instruction do you provide? What feedback did you get after that? But if you're showing a student product, what was your role as a teacher in that, the, the creation of that product and students' understanding? And that is so powerful because teachers don't tend to center themselves. They try to shoot their own horns for things. But the board certification required, okay, it, a, a student showed that they understood it. And so mm-hmm. what did you do? Lizzo, you were together. Yeah. And that's, that's important to like, have you reflect on your breakfasters. These master's programs don't necessarily, like they give you like, yeah, tools to use, but like not in practical label all the time. Right. <laughs> or even if they are, even if it is here to more master's degree with the certification for reading or for special ed or whatever it doesn't have the reflection keys necessarily built in and that was the strongest part of that national board certification was how frequently i had to go back and i had to watch video of myself yes it's a very yeah and not only that but i had to be able to write very specifically about the video so i had to be able to say at minute four, when I said X, yeah, and so we had to patch over and over and over, and digging into your end practice in that way is something most teachers don't. And even if they do the scant reflection, oh, this is what went well in a lesson, yeah, it's rarely with the lens of this is what I did to facilitate how that went. Yeah, yeah, great insight into kind of uh, how that you know affected your teaching practice. Um, but you also um, share out uh, as well. Um, we're at the Teach Better conference and mm-hmm. blog for Teach Better. So uh, what are some of your uh, blog posts about? Do you have a certain topic you stick with? So I started blogging for Teach Better during COVID. Mm-hmm. 
because I was encountering all of these little issues that I thought I can't be the only one experiencing. Yes. And even though I'm not the only one experiencing it, well, there's probably people who don't have the background in the classroom to have yeah. a sense of how do I how do I handle this now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it really was a for years prior I had already worked with my school mentoring program. I think and I thought even if I am not the smartest person in the room, even if I am not the most experienced person in the room, I have things that I can share. Mm-hmm. And so it was really most of the blog posts that I started with for addressing these situations that I would see in the nerve in my last room. Um, I wrote about kids who weren't showing up in the classroom and what do you do to handle that? Ready to build community both in the virtual and physical cities. Um, now my focus and, and I do feel a little scatterbrained about it because I don't have a singular focus, but I've been really driven the last few years. Partially helped by COVID because of the way we had to change our thinking. Damn. Um, but really driven the last few years by how do how I make it so that a student's grade in my class really reflects that they've understood really the content and it's not just a collection of points. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, you know, some game that they played well. Yes. Um, and giving those tools to people as well and, and just kind of using the topics that you're experiencing on a day-to-day level mm-hmm. help a lot. And I, I love reading other people's blogs and sharing them. And, you know, hopefully that will, um, you know, reach people that are looking for some tools in their classroom. Um, well, out of everything we've talked about today on the podcast, uh, what's one thing you'd like listeners to remember? I was going to say, if, if my audience is primarily teachers, they already know. But sometimes I do think it, it helps teachers to hear that. Yeah. You might not be hearing it from your administration. Yeah. You might not be hearing it from your district. But the honest is single measure fed in part by yeah. is the keyboard tripped up by the plastic yeah is children the right frame of mind to do a side yeah that it's not a reflection of you as a teacher for even for students yeah abilities as a seed is still content it's it's a single moment in time and if he didn't treat it that way, if you treat it like this is actually less than a quiz or an assessment in my classroom because we don't write the state standards. We don't get a chance to see the questions a lot of times. Um, you have no impact on how they might change. So if we focus on that day-to-day instruction, we're making sure that students understand what's happening for your content in your classroom, then the research shows that the standardized test score follows that. That if you're focused on not test prep or how to gain the, the questions, but really just focused on so do you know the content? And though it in a way that's not reflected on a multiple test, we would dedicate the kids to sort of dig into very upper levels of yeah thing like that where they're creating and they're explaining and they're synthesizing and it's that's what you think get students to for your content area then you'll give them the knowledge they need for the multiple post standardized test score 
there is yeah that's a good point like you know to approach it in a way where we're not i mean we're we're helping them have those tools to better understand the test material but you know higher level thinking skills right where can people connect with you at find you online so i am on twitter and that's pretty much it i other social media that I have is is private and limited to family. And my family is spread across the country, um, but Twitter is where I am a fairly active educator. And that handle is at M Great, great. Well, I will um, wish you a great rest of the conference here at the Teach Better Conference. And it was great meeting you. And I'm glad I got to have you on the podcast. Yeah, it was such fun to meet you too. Check out the show notes on danagoodier.com to learn more about this guest and links to their social media. Please subscribe, share, rate, and review wherever you download this podcast. Tell your friends and colleagues about it. And if this episode resonates, especially with you, be sure to share it out on social media and tag me at Out of Trenches PC. My book, Out of the Trenches, Stories of Resilient Educators, has now been published. Get it now. It's A-M-Z-N dot T-O slash 3B7-2-Z. Again, A-M-Z-N dot T-O slash 3B7-H-X-2-Z.